0: Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4, the word of God says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the position that we have with God through your son. Lord, we thank you for what you have done, what you have given, Lord, for the greatest gift that we could possibly have. And Lord, as we... Take this time to look into your word, to look into, Lord, who you are and what you've done. I pray that you will calm our hearts, calm our minds. May we be able to pay attention. May we be able to to listen. Lord, may we be able to learn about you. And Lord, through this, may we become more like you. Give pastor the words to say and us the ears to listen. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated
1: amen thank you brother charles thank you church if you're happy you're saved this morning would you say amen? amen it's good to be in god's house today hey church let's make much of jesus this season let's make much of jesus i want to encourage you as we get into this christmas week make plans to be with us on christmas eve If it's possible, make plans to be here. We'll have candlelight service. We'll have communion. It'll be a a wonderful time where we just make much of Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you're in town next week, be here on Christmas Day. There's no Sunday school at 9. We're going to have a service at 10. And then because we had Christmas Eve the night before, we won't have an evening service. And so next Sunday, 10 a.m., be here. I mean, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now... If we say we are celebrating Jesus, and yet we cannot be amongst his people on his day, are we really celebrating Jesus? Just a question to kind of ponder as we head into the next week. Church, let's just make much of Jesus. I mean, he's not a reason for the season. He is the reason for the season. And so he is the perfect gift of God. Now, truly, this is a season of giving now how many of us we know some people giving I mean it's an art form for some people like giving it's almost like their spiritual gift like they just know exactly what to do exactly how to present it all of those different things I mean some people they just know how to give they just know how it's done me I'm an eh kind of guy I have tried many times to varying degrees of success to give great or even perfect gifts. Most of the time, it didn't pan out. To be honest, I don't stress nearly as much these days as I used to, especially with the kids, because five minutes after it's all said and done, they're going to be more interested in sword fighting with empty wrapper paper rolls than they are about what was actually wrapped in the wrapping paper. Now... Before you get all upset with me, don't think poorly of me. I still give good gifts. My kids do pretty well. But in this season of giving, you know, we would be negligent if we didn't stop and unwrap the greatest gift that has ever been given. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning from Galatians 4, which may not be something we normally think of as a Christmas passage, I want us to unpack what makes the Lord Jesus truly the greatest gift that has ever been given. Look with me, Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 4 and 5 this morning. The Bible says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, Made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. I want you to know first of all, and note first of all from this passage concerning uh, the greatest gift that this, the Lord Jesus, the greatest gift that has ever been given, he reveals to us a perfect plan. He reveals to us a perfect plan. That verse starts, but when the fullness of the time was come... In other words, at the right time, God sent His Son. You think about this. You think about through the course of human history to this point, all that had been tried. You think about how from Adam to Noah that that, that man had tried to to, to exist and to, 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 to follow God through conscience. And what a failure that was. To the point where in the days of Noah it was said that the thoughts and intents of man were only evil continually. We think about how from Noah even to Abraham, we see how government was put in place and, and really reigned during those days, and yet government did nothing to redeem mankind. Yeah. We think of how God then called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, and Abraham began to follow God, and, and really an age of promise began, and, uh, until that point in time where God called Moses and called his people out of Egypt and, and gave the law to the Jews. Sadly enough, the Jewish people took the law of God and the word of God and they turned what was intended to be a relationship into a religion. Hundreds and hundreds of do's and dolts, and if A, then go to point C. And if D, then go to step 73. And it was so complicated and complex and and the people were so burdened and, and the whole heart of what God had intended was lost. We see the world around the Jewish people. Uh, we, we see the, 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 the different empires that would rise. The, the harshness of the Assyrians. We see the culture of the Greeks. We see the force of the Romans. All of this and so much more had left man morally and spiritually bankrupt. Bankrupt. The Apostle Paul summarized the human condition in Romans 3 beginning in verse number 9. He said, what then, are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no Not one. And so for all of it, conscience, government, promise, law, religion, culture, force. All of it and so much more only revealed that man was totally and completely morally and spiritually bankrupt. And yet it was at this time that God sent the greatest gift. Why? Why is this the perfect gift? Why is this the greatest gift? Because it reminds me that God knows what he's doing. And that God is always right on time. How many of us recognize, especially when it comes to gift giving, that timing is everything? I can remember one time earlier in my marriage, and I've shared this before uh, with some of us, uh, that uh, I thought that I had gotten Amy what was the greatest Christmas present known to man. And buddy, I was fired up about it. I can remember buying it. I can remember bringing it home. I can remember wrapping it. I can remember putting it under the tree. I can remember seeing the anticipation on her face. as she said, wow, this is a big box. Wow, this is a heavy box. Wow, this is awesome. And then I remember the look of masked disappointment on Christmas day when she opened the box to see her brand new set of pans. You know what I learned? I learned pans are a fine gift for a Tuesday. Maybe not for Christmas though. Timing is everything. Many had long desired to see the promised one. You think about Adam, when Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, and we have that promise in Genesis 3.15 about the one who would come, the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent and and help to restore uh, what, what was lost in the fall. You think about how Adam longed that that promised one might come. You think about how Noah longed that that promised one might come as he was on that ark and he watched the world around him get destroyed by a flood. You think about how, how Abraham longed that that promised one might come, how Moses and the children of Israel longed when they were in Egypt that that promised one might come as they battled with the, uh, the, the different uh, uh, pagans in the promised land, how they longed that Messiah would come. And yet in the fullness of time, the Bible says, God sent his son Made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law. By the way, can I point out here, the Bible, when it talks about how the Lord Jesus was made of a woman, that's not the normal way we talk about things. The Bible here is very clear, and everywhere else the Bible is very clear, that the Lord Jesus came to earth through the virgin birth. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 foretold of this. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We see Mary's own confusion at this in Matthew chapter number 1 where Mary was talking, or Luke chapter 1, sorry, where Mary was talking with the angel Gabriel. And Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The virgin birth is a must, church. Because if Joseph was Jesus' father, then you and I are still in our sin. And we are still on our way to hell. But God sent his Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem those that are under the law. He is the God-man. You know what? I don't always understand Him, but the reality is I can always trust Him because He has a perfect plan. God's plan is perfect. And He is right on time with exactly what we need. And honestly, church, this should give us some perspective. Christmas proves God knows what He's doing. Born of a woman. He was given to us. Under the law, He came as us. To redeem us, He came for us. Praise God for His perfect plan. I'm going to tell you, when we have this perspective, this perspective alone helps to provide you and I peace. Because let's be honest, life's rarely easy. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of things that I would prefer not to have to go through. There are a lot of decisions that I would prefer not to have to make. There are some times that I wonder, God, what are we doing? God, what are you doing? But God knows what he's doing. And this perspective provides peace. Because we want relief. Relief. But we're reminded that God has a reason. We want peace, but we're reminded that God has a process. We see the immediate, but we are reminded that God sees eternity. And hear me, church. We cannot rush God. And we cannot reason greater than God. And when we stop and think about it, the reality is we really have no idea what we really need. I think about my own kids. They provide me illustrations and examples of this all the time. You know what they want? They want pocket knives and cell phones. You know what they don't need? Pocket knives or cell phones. And I wonder how many times God looks at me and in essence says, Alan, you don't need a pocket knife or a cell phone. I know what I'm doing. I think about even the disciples. Do you remember what the disciples did when Jesus told them that he was going to die? I think about even what Peter did. Peter said, Jesus, come here, come here, come here, come here. Jesus, Jesus. I can see Peter putting his arm around Jesus. Look, look, Jesus. Come on. Th- no, Jesus, this is not what needs to happen. You need to stop, you need to stop talking like that about yourself, Jesus. You need to stop talking, Jesus, you're gonna be king. We're all gonna rule and reign with you. Jesus, I know it looks bad now, but but Jesus, you just don't know. You just don't know. And he began to rebuke Jesus, the Bible says. So much so that Jesus had to look at him and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. When Jesus started talking to the disciples about the fact that he was going to die, the disciples, they did not want what Jesus was saying. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. But I'm going to tell you what they didn't want in that moment, I am so grateful for today. I am so grateful that the Lord Jesus died for my sins. And not just for mine, but for the sins of the whole world. God's great gift performs His perfect plan. I'm going to tell you, the Lord Jesus came. The gift came, not so you could have Christmas, but so that you could have salvation. Can I ask you this morning, have you received Him? Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior?
0: Have you received
1: Him? He has a perfect plan and his perfect plan for you starts with the Lord Jesus Christ why is he the greatest gift because he reveals God's perfect plan but that's not all I want us to see something else this morning let's look at verses 5 and 6 the Bible says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we have the greatest gift. Why is he the greatest gift? Number one, because he reveals a perfect plan. Let's do it again. Why is he the greatest gift? Number one, because he reveals a perfect plan. He is the greatest gift, number two, because he reveals our precious position. He is the greatest gift because when we by faith receive the Lord Jesus, everything changes. When you and I come to Christ, the Bible says that we are made the sons and daughters of God. John chapter 1 in verse number 12 tells us this, but as many as received him, To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You know, the Bible gives us several pictures of this in Scripture. The Bible talks about how we are born into the family of God through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3, we see Jesus speaking. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water, that's our first birth, our natural birth, and of the Spirit, that is being born again when we come to the Lord Jesus in faith. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we are born into the family of God by the Spirit of God. In our passage this morning, we see that we are adopted in the family of God. Now, to be adopted uh, was a Roman law and custom where a child was placed as an adult family member uh, in, within the family with all the rights and privileges of the family. And Paul here in Galatians, in Jesus' and John, is, is drawing out this truth that when we come and we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, when we receive that gift... We are no longer servants. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer outsiders. We are no longer aliens. We are sons. We are sons and daughters of God. I'm going to pause there for a moment. God is my father. You know, when you really stop and think about it, it's incredible that God chooses fatherhood. As the way he relates to us. Because such a relationship is passionate, it is personal, it's practical. You know, I have learned so much about my Heavenly Father since I have become a father myself. You know what I've learned? I've learned, number one, that my kids have no idea how much I love them. My kids have no idea how much I love them. They don't have a framework to comprehend how deeply I love them. Sometimes I'm sure they feel unloved. I'm sure sometimes they feel pushed off or put off. But the reality is, regardless of how they feel, I can tell you that they have no concept for how much I love them. You know what? My kids have no idea about my overwhelming sense of responsibility for them. You know, they know a little bit about responsibility here and there. They know that they get to live in a house and they get to eat food a couple times a day. They know they've got clothes that go on their back and and they know the water still runs and all those things. But I'm going to tell you, my kids have zero comprehension the level of responsibility I feel for them, to protect them, to provide for them. To help them to to grow, to mature, to become the the fullness of what God intended for them to be. My, My kids have no idea the depth of responsibility I feel for them. You know what? My kids have no concept. No concept. About how deeply I'm willing to sacrifice for them. They don't. They have no concept for that. Those of you who are parents, you know that to be true. You know, when I stop and I apply that to my heavenly father, boy, that speaks to me. I have no concept for how much he loves me. I just don't have the framework to even begin to understand how much God loves me. You know what, I... (laughs) Sometimes I wonder what he's doing, sometimes I feel like he's far away, sometimes I just don't get it. Sometimes you know the the, the prayers feel like they bounce off the ceiling and, and I just I wonder where he is, but the reality is he's there, and I have no idea how much he loves me. I have no concept for the level of responsibility that he feels for me to protect me, to provide for me. To help me to grow, to mature, to be the fullness of what he created me to be. I have no concept of how how much responsibility he feels for me. I have no concept for how much he's willing to sacrifice for me. Oh, I have pictures of it and I have some, some reference to it. But the reality is the depth of his sacrifice for me, I have no concept of. But when I stop and I think about how I feel towards my children. And I remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 and verse 11. He said this, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Jesus said, take what you feel for your own children in the flesh and multiply that exponentially for how God loves and cares for us. You know what? I realize I need to see this more clearly. What a precious position it is for me to be a son of God. It is not a title without substance. And to stop and think, God wants me to bring things to him even more than I want my kids to be able to bring things to me. As I thought about that this week and as I, as I studied up on this and really meditated on these things, I mean, I've, I've been struggling with some things this week. We've, we've had some health issues and just some, just some other things and just some burdens I haven't quite been able to shake. And I remember thinking about even this passage and even this truth as I was driving to a basketball game last night. And, and I, I can remember in that moment, just, it just kind of the light bulb went on. Like, why am I, why am I carrying this burden? And I remember in that car going down Route 6, I just, Father, I need you. God, I don't know what to do with this. God, I need you. And I tell you, in that moment, it was almost like the Lord moved in in a special way. We are sons and daughters of the King it's not just a title we don't have to make an appointment many weeks out to, to see him no he is but a prayer away because you know here's the thing about sons sons have access sons have access you know here's the thing about sons and daughters they have influence influence We were coming home from that stinking basketball game last night. Didn't go so well, but the boys played hard, and I love their heart and effort. And we stopped at Wendy's because what helps you feel better than a whole lot of sugar and a whole lot of meat? Amen and amen. And we're in line, and I'm ordering my burger that's got far too many patties on it for some of you's likings, but it was good for me, and uh, I'm getting it. And Christopher goes, oh, man, look, they've got peppermint Frosties. I looked at the guy behind the counter and I said, Tack three, I'm on for me, man. Let's do it. Was I going to get a peppermint frosty? No. But sons have influence. Guys, we are sons and daughters of God. This is the greatest gift. This is the greatest gift. Because it, it doesn't just change my today, it changes my forever. I'm a son of the king. What a precious position. But can I ask you this morning? How's your relationship with your heavenly father? How is your relationship with your heavenly father? You know, sometimes gifts get forgotten, don't they? Yesterday, before we went to the game... Christopher had a birthday party he was going to go to. It was a Nerf war birthday party. And so yeah. last year for Christmas, oddly enough, I bought him one of those Nerf guns that shoots out. It's battery powered and it shoots them out at like whatever miles per hour you're supposed to wear goggles. And, uh, and it shoots out like eight per second. It is amazing. But wouldn't you know it, we lost the charger. And so all morning yesterday, I'm digging and 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 trying to find it and digging. By the way, I never found it. Amy did. And so, thank you, Amy. But you know what I also found is I was digging through all of the recesses of our forgotten home. Oh, that was a Christmas present from two years ago. That's where that is. That's a Christmas present from when he was five. That's where that is. Oh, that's another Christmas present from all of them tucked away in the recesses. Boy, they're there. We have them, but they're of no practical use whatsoever. I wonder sometimes if that's how our relationship with the Father ends up. I feel like we're really formal with God. Like we always feel like we have to pray in King James English. But he wants to be our father. I I, I would not enjoy the relationship if my kids. Father, thou great father. I would likest to go outside and playest with my friends. Thy will be done i like, dude, what's wrong with you? Just talk to me. Just talk to me. Just rely on me. Just let me help you. Tell me your joys. Let me rejoice with you. Tell me your struggles. Let me comfort you. How's your relationship with the Father this morning? We have such a precious position as sons and daughters of God. And yet so often that relationship gets tucked into the closet. Like last year's Nerf gun. Or it gets set on a shelf. As something that we simply look at but don't touch. I get to be his son because he gave his. I want to encourage you this morning. Remove that doubt. Remove the discouragement. Remove the disappointment that has created the distance. Let me ask you concerning your heavenly father. What more could he do? Let me ask you concerning your heavenly father. What more could he give? He brought you into the family at his own expense. He has chosen to love you. He has chosen to take responsibility, remove the doubt and develop the relationship. You say, preacher, how do I do that? James 4, 8 simply says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I think of it very simply. How how would I want my son to develop his relationship with me? I would want him to talk to me. And I would want him to hear me when I talk to him. Oh, church, it really is that simple. How do we develop our relationship with God? We talk to Him. And we hear Him when He talks to us. That's how you have a relationship with anybody. Draw nigh to God. And He will draw nigh to you. Truly, the Lord Jesus is the greatest of gifts because it grants you and I a precious position. We are sons. Hey, as we unwrap the greatest gift that's ever been given, it's the greatest gift, church, number one. Tell me why. Because it reveals God's perfect plan. It is the greatest gift, number two, because it reveals our precious position. Let me give you one more before we're done this morning. You're listening great. Verses 6 and 7 remind us, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We have God's perfect plan in the Lord Jesus. We have a precious position in the Lord Jesus. But I also want you to see this morning, we have a profound possession. This perfect gift, this greatest gift, truly is the gift that keeps On giving. If in verse, uh, point number two, when we talked about our position, uh, we're talking about that relationship. Point number three, when we talk about that possession, we are talking about our resources. You know, the Bible says in verse number six that He has sent forth the Spirit of His Son. Into our hearts. You know, when we come to the Lord Jesus, we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior. The Bible says that we have the Spirit of the living God living within us. That the Holy Spirit of God, He indwells us. That He seals us. That He places us into the body of Christ. That He gifts us for ministry within the body of Christ. We have the Spirit of God living within us. By the way, we we ought not gloss over that. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon them. In the Gospels, the Son of God walked among them. But you and I have the privilege of the Spirit of God living within us. Jesus said in John 15 in verse number 26... But when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. What does the Holy Spirit do? In verse number 6 of our text, it reminds us that he cries in our hearts, Abba, Father, that he points us towards God. John 16, in verse number 7, Jesus said this. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. It is profitable for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I love that verse because it reminds us that it is more profitable for you and I to have the Spirit of God within us than the Son of God among us. And those of us who have received the Lord Jesus by faith, we have the Spirit of God within us. The Holy Spirit works within us. He is comforting us. He is conforming us into the image of Christ. He is equipping us for service for Christ. He cries out for us. Romans chapter 8 reminds us that He cries out for us. By the way, the Spirit of God, this is a big, big deal. Church, we do ourselves a great disservice and we do the Holy Spirit of God a tremendous disrespect when we minimize His existence and His influence in our lives. The Spirit of God lives within the child of God. The Bible says that we're to be filled with Him every day. It is the Spirit of God that draws our hearts God, It is the Spirit of God that opens our eyes to spiritual truth. It is the Spirit of God that conforms us into the image of His Son. It is the Spirit of God that keeps on working on us. You know, if if our salvation and our sanctification were left to ourselves, buddy, wouldn't we be in trouble? I'd have wandered off a long time ago. But the Spirit of God won't let me go. I love what John Newton said. He said, I am not what I might be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But thank God I am not what I once was. I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Oh, thank the Lord for the spirit of God that lives within us. Did you notice verse number seven? Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God. You know, we are an heir, the Bible says, even a joint heir with Christ. Romans 8, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says this The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You think of what it means to be an heir. you got an inheritance coming. There are resources available to you. You know, sons have access and influence today. We have our inheritance tomorrow. And how do we even begin to wrap our heads around what it means to be a joint heir with Christ? You know, you pick some wealthy man today. Elon Musk, right? Everybody's favorite billionaire. Can you imagine what it would be to be an heir of Elon Musk's estate? I I, I can't even imagine what that many commas and zeros would mean. That's probably a good thing. But can I tell you, Elon Musk's heirs have nothing on those who are joint heirs with Christ. How do I even begin to wrap my head around what that means? I have access today. I have influence today. And I've got an inheritance tomorrow. Amen. Surely the suffering of today is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. This gift of Jesus. This gift of salvation. This gift of the Spirit. This gift of relationship. This gift of resource. Why is Jesus the greatest gift that's ever been given? Because Jesus is always enough. He's always enough. You say preacher, but you don't know the sins I've committed. But I know his blood's enough. I know his death, burial, and resurrection is enough. To forgive you of all your sins. And to make you a child of God. You say preacher. But you don't know the brokenness. I have experienced. And I say no I don't. But I know his grace is enough. I know even when I. I can't form the words to pray. That his spirit. It intercedes for me. With groanings which cannot be uttered. Jesus is enough. Because of God's great gift in pain, I can press on. Under pressure, I can press on. Through misunderstandings, I can press on. Through mistakes, I can rise again. Thanks be to God. For his unspeakable, indescribable gift. Truly, the Lord Jesus is the greatest gift. Why, church? Number one, because he reveals God's perfect plan. Why, church? Number two, because he reveals our precious position. Number three, because he reveals our profound possession. He is the greatest gift. I ask you first this morning, church, have you received him? Has there ever been a point in time in your life where you've recognized, you know what, I am a sinner. I have done things that I know are wrong. They violate God's word, they violate God's character. I am a sinner. You know what, I would say you're in good company, but I don't know if we can use that word. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. But you see, it's that point where we recognize that we are a sinner. That we can begin to come to the place where we recognize that we need a Savior. And the Bible says that since your sin and my sin separated us from God in a way that we could never overcome. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. See, we couldn't go to Him, so He came to us. The Bible says that since the penalty, the consequence, the wage of my sin is death. The Bible says that he died on an old rugged cross. He died the death that I deserved. That I might receive his life. And he made that gift accessible. The Bible says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will may come. But the thing about a gift is in order for it to be yours, what do you have to do? You have to receive it. You see, I'm going to wrap some presents. Okay, that's a lie. My wife is going to wrap some presents. My wife is going to wrap some presents and put them under the tree. And we'll put kids' names on them. But until that kid takes that gift, opens it, receives it, they don't truly possess it. This morning, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I'll tell you, He is the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And what a beautiful time, Christmas time. What a wonderful time. For you to come and see your need for a Savior and receive Him. In just a few moments, we're going to have what we call a time of invitation. We're going to stand, have our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you'd like to know more about what it means to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you, as we stand, everybody will have their heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you slip out, get my attention. We'll have somebody come take the Word of God and show you how you can receive the gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning would you come a church how many of us as we look at Galatians 4 this morning recognize that there's so much about this gift that we leave untapped we leave unwrapped we leave still boxed we left set on a shelf I'm going to tell you if this is just a Christmas thing and it's just a church thing then we've missed the mark Christian, I wonder, would you return today and renew that relationship with the Father? So many of us, we recognize our relationship with our heavenly. The devil wants you to have daddy issues. The devil wants you to have incredible distance between you and your father. And some of you know that that relationship has been tucked in a closet or set on a shelf, and it has just not been Anything. Would you come today? Would you renew that relationship? You see, the thing is, for my kids to come to me, they don't have to have the right words. They just have to have the right heart. And when they come to me, I'll bridge the gap. Some of us today, let's renew that relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let's renew that reliance on on what He's given. Let's thank Him for the gift of the Spirit. Let's thank Him for the promise of eternity to come. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. We ready? This is what I want you to leave with today. The reality is this Christmas, you don't need something new. You just need a new appreciation for what you already have. Because in Christ, we already have the greatest gift.